Howdy ho, Ranger Joes. What a tremendous way to open doing my best, or worst, really my worst, Joey Gladstone impression on one of the worst wrestling podcasts. Welcome to the Deach and Dash podcast. I'm your host, gorgeous Jordy Lee, George, Cat and Deach, top dog. Uh, the Deach and Dash podcast is, is here. It's courtesy of the Grapple Talk Network part of the Grapple Talk expansion. Seems like it's it's expanding as much as maple syrup inside of cold winter trees. Man, just dumb. What am I talking about? I'm a little concussed still, I think. Uh, as always, this podcast is available wherever podcasts are available. Via iTunes, the Google Play Store. I don't know. AC always tells me what I'm doing here is wrong or something, the way I'm describing it. I don't know. You get it. You're listening. I got gotcha. you. I tricked you into listening. Uh, welcome to the welcome to the show. Welcome to the episode. Welcome to uh, my voice to your ear. <laughs> uh, what a fun weekend I had! A real fun, uh, real wrestler weekend. This past Friday, I worked until about three o'clock. Shot up to Green Bay, rendezvoused with uh, Joey and Brock at a uh, Joey's shitty. Uh, rundown apartment. I don't mean it's actually shitty. It's not rundown. It's I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just stupid. I'm just a dumb person. I'm getting dumber. Uh, rendezvous with them. Changed outside of uh, Joey's apartment for some weird reason. I was like, no, I'm just going to change into my shorts and a t-shirt here and when I could have easily gone inside. I don't know. And then we boogied on up to Norway, Michigan. A uh, place I've never been to before, but had a really, really great drive. Went north, went through Krivitz, Wasaki. Leaves are starting to turn. Can you believe we're over halfway through September already? I simply cannot. Had a great drive. Uh, showed up at the American Legion right in Norway. Good crowd of people outside the doors. Always a great sign. Got acclimated. Uh, shows ran by Dark Child, who, you know, is what he is. He has a, a bit of a, a bit of a reputation. I, me, and my courts, we cannot say enough good things about the way his shows are ran. They are super fun. They're super laid back. The crew is just a fun, fun crew group of dudes. You know, dudes and gals. Uh, really can't say enough. You know, I I don't know where my wrestling. I really hate to use the term career. I don't know where my wrestling pastime is taking me. I don't know how much longer I'm going to do it. But legitimately, I will take a fun roster like this any night, any night of the week, where it's just, hey, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're wrestling him, you're wrestling her. Go do it. Have some fun. Make sure the crowd's happy. And here's some money afterwards. So (laughs) I, I will take those shows, you know, I will take them any day of the week. So really good time. Uh, fun to see uh, Brian Skyline. Haven't seen him in a long time. Sharing a locker room with my with my buddy Hornswoggle. That was always that was always that was always that was that was a little different, but it was fun. It was fun to shoot the shit with him. And yeah, all, all in all, really great time all around. Uh, the next day, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. I'm looking at a map. I have a weird map. I don't know if anyone's listening has uh, played Red Dead Redemption. The, uh, the old game off of the Xbox or whatnot. But when I bought the game, it came with a map of the entire, like, the entire game map. And for some weird reason, uh, apparently I'm acting like I'm still 20 years old and I'm in a, 
a dorm apartment or something like that. I have, a, I have that map up, and I just got lost looking at the Great Plains right next to tall trees. So I'm going to turn my attention to the left where I have a poster of Stone Cold and my uh, Oakfield High School Athletic Award. So I'm going to focus on those two things. Hopefully my dyslexia doesn't get the best of me. Next day, after NFW, I had uh, Baba Louie's, WPW Baba Louie's, right into Pier. Uh, very fun show. Very laid back day. Uh, I ended up wrestling Young Money Colin Brooks in the main event, defending my championship. Uh, I've known Colin for a very long time. You know, uh, he was kind of the guy who, uh, I suppose, Brock and I basically bore into the wrestling world together. We more or less helped train him and Adam Grace. And it was fun mixing it up with him. I've only really wrestled the guy one-on-one, I believe, three times. You know, we used to do the mock matches all the time back at camp. But it was fun tangling in there with him. And, yeah, uh, uh, escaped the night, you know, pretty well uh, pretty well injury-free. So, great weekend all around. Sunday, I vegged out on my couch for as long as possible. <laughs> and was basically a lazy uh, POS up until Sunday evening when I had to grill some food for me and the the ladies. So that was my weekend. Um, yeah, great weekend overall. Very fun. September, October are some of my favorite months of the year to wrestle just because the weather is perfect. As a slightly, slightly chubby guy, <laughs> I enjoy when the weather starts turning to a little bit more cool because I don't overheat. I don't run too hot. I can wear my shorts and I can also wear a hoodie and I'm perfectly comfortable. So... <laughs> Just a little look into my neurosis. We have Mike Mercury on the show. Uh, Mike Mercury, a guy who I as I was introducing uh, Mike Mercury to Wildcat, one of the ACW trainees, oh, and one of the best freaking people in the business, uh, one of the nicest people. And he said, how are you doing? My name's and Mike you know, introduced himself as well. And I could kind of tell that Wildcat maybe didn't know who he was, which is, you know, it, it is what it is. And I basically explained it as if you were doing a Mount Rushmore of Wisconsin wrestling, I firmly believe firmly believe Merck would be one of the heads on that Mount Rushmore. And I'm not just saying that to put the guy over. He knows how much I think of him. A lot of people know how much I think of him. Uh, I remember very fondly as a young little George firing up my UPN 32 uh, basic television before I got uh, cable. And I would want to watch wrestling all the time. Saturday nights, UPN 32, uh, there was ACW uh, you know, on my screen. Guys like uh, Ken Anderson, uh, Davari, Cabana would be on there randomly once in a while. And it was, you know, it was, it was put together by Merck, Merck and uh, Jason Jerry. So this is a guy who uh, many years after the fact, we, we kind of divulge, we, we kind of go into our history together. Um, but it, now he's become not only... I guess a mentor who, even though he's more, even though he's kind of still out of the wrestling game, uh, this is a guy who I'm I'm always shooting ideas with, because I know he's he's his, his, he's not going to lie to me, he's not going to bullshit me. So, very fun fun interview, very lighthearted. I uh, just did it in the den of his house, while his dog Lola snorted, and uh, barfed up a little bit of stuff. But you know, hey, what you going to do? So. So yeah, Bob, before we dive into that, just a little bit of house cleaning. Uh, house cleaning, I guess, uh, more or less, I, can't, I guess, sponsors. Uh, my Pro Wrestling Tea store is up and running. Uh, if you go to ProWrestlingTees.com, search Gorgeous Jordy Lee, or if you 
Just Google search Gorgeous Jordy Lee. Is one of the, it is the first thing that pops up. Check out my t-shirts. Uh, I only have, the as far as my um, in-person, I guess my 3D in-person merch table goes, I only carry the uh, List All Things tees. So I still have my couple other older t-shirts on there for now. Check those out. Reasonably priced. If you cannot see me in person, those that's a great way to support your favorite curly-haired chubby wrestler that takes his pants off. And uh, uh, after that, I am a collar and elbow sponsored athlete. Collar and elbow launched by Al Snow. It's a great shirt brand. It's a the the t-shirt that they gave me was very comfortable. It's a very soft material. If you're interested, hit up uh, collarandelbowbrand.com. Pick out a shirt. Pick out many shirts. And when you are ready to check out, you got your little cart full. Enter the promo code JORDS, J-O-R-D-Z, J-O-R-D-Z. That's the promo code to use. Get 10% off checkout or at checkout. There you go. So just save a little amount of cash. Finally, I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but I'm going to do it again because I firmly believe in what he's doing. My buddy Drew Kucher, guy I went to school with, guy I've known uh, more or less my whole life, he is jacked about, well, he's just plain jacked, but he is jacked about fitness and nutrition he wants to help you get just as jacked about it. Uh, he is doing this great meal planning, exercise planning. It's you know he would admit that it's more or less for the average person, the average Joe. Stuff you can do in between commercials while watching the TV. Great easy meal planning, and he wants to help you out. So hit him up, kuchermethod.com. You can email him hi at the kuchermethod.com. H i at t h e k-u-t-c-h-e-r method.com otherwise if you google it it's the first thing that pops up so with that we're going to dive right into the interview with mike mercury enjoy here we go rocking and rolling rocking and rolling (laughs) uh yeah so we have uh on this very special episode we got mike mercury old uh old two scoops himself the ice cream man how you doing man i'm doing great buddy what is it? What are our bellies full of? Uh, a little uh, welcome to Moe's. Uh, I believe you had the Joey bag of donuts. Yes. Uh, and I opted for the burrito bowl. Why? Why? What happened? Uh, if you don't get the shell, you can use those calories to get the chocolate chip cookie. And it's the same kind of calories as if you got it in burrito form versus the bowl and the cookie. Who, who was with us at Moe's? Uh, that would have been uh, Ian Twelve Gager, aka uh, Brick McCarthy, aka doesn't know how to order a Joey bag of donuts. Yeah, he asked both of us what's a Joey bag of donuts, and you said, "Oh, it's kind of like a home wrecker without guacamole." And then Ian said, "Well, what's a home wrecker?" I was like, "Oh, it's kind of like a Joey bag of donuts with guacamole." <laughs> yes. U- using descriptive terms to describe something in a sentence is always key. You you can take the boy out of the lake shore, but you can't take the lake shore out of the boy. Uh, so, so Merck, I wanted to sit down with you because uh, Avalon keeps on trying to backseat podcast my podcast. He says, "Oh, you got all these great guys like you know who never do stuff like this anymore." But instead, you're going to waste episodes on guys like fucking Brock or Colin. Like you got to talk to Merck. I was like, "Okay, I'll talk to Merck." And you're a pretty smart guy, and you've been around forever. And I feel like uh, uh, in the literal, no, in the figurative sense, you touched a lot of wrestling in the area. Not, not in a literal sense. So, um, I guess to start off, uh, not to really necessarily start with like a true uh, Merck origin story, 
But I kind of want to go to like, like 1999, 2000, when you were tra- you were training people then, right? Like, yeah, at the dojo. Uh, correct. Uh, the the you know the I guess the genesis of it all. Um, Eric Hammers and myself um, felt that nobody was running any wrestling shows north of Milwaukee, and I knew that. Um, Green Bay being a hub of activity, uh, if we could get something off the ground in Green Bay, that there was enough potential in all those other old AWA satellite cities like the Manitowocs and Oshkoshes of the world that you could we could build something here. And, you know, um, uh, Chris Bassett had kind of fizzled out with his camp and stuff and you know, we knew we would be getting a ring to run our own shows, so it was like, well, let's uh, opening up, let's open up a school. So we we opened up uh, the dojo of Pain Wrestling School uh, in April of '99. Our our first student was none other than Ken Anderson. Uh, he came on a recommendation from Randy Ricci, Rock and Randy. Um, he had gotten Randy's number online or something, and Randy referred him to us. Um, there was a, another athlete, a former UW Oshkosh football player named Jason Loker. Um, he had contacted UWO student uh, Dino Bambino, said, hey, how do I get into wrestling? And uh, so the first uh, class uh, began to form with uh, Big Daddy Loker and what would go on to be Kamikaze Ken Anderson? To uh, <clears throat> to backtrack just a little bit, uh, you mentioned Manitowoc and a couple other cities being AWA satellite cities. What do you mean by that exactly? So, basically, um, you know the, the the formula I saw in my head was ECW used to run the ECW Arena uh, every three weeks. That was their big show. Their storylines and angles would build up to the next big show. But then they had smaller towns, Allentown, Pennsylvania, and New York City, and other cities that they would run monthly, bi-monthly. Um, and, and in the 80s, and probably long before that, the AWA did the same thing. Okay, you know, they, they would run a place like the Brown County Veterans Arena in the Brown County Arena in Green Bay, but then they might do quarterly shows at Shano High School, Marinette High School, Sheboygan Falls Armory, uh, Manitowoc uh, Catholic Central, and, and other various um, schools and armories and things like that. Okay. Well, then, I guess when you guys started rocking and rolling, what what would you consider to be like your main hub and what were your like satellite towns? Well, our, our first couple of events were at the Concert Cafe in Green Bay. Um, that was run by uh, Time Bomb Tom Smith of uh, exclusive company fame, who still promotes music um, and stuff at like the Lyric Room in Green Bay. Okay. Uh, shout out to Time Bomb Tom. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he ran the Concert Cafe, which was a, a smaller concert venue for punk rock and things like that, and and uh, Eric Hammers, who was in uh, many successful punk rock bands, had played there numerous times. And he's like, this is a great place for uh, a, a venue. And 
Um, our first show there was on a Sunday, hmm. and uh, we we packed it. We had like 200 people in there with a ring, and so we after two shows we outgrew it. Right. Um, and uh, we went to the Stadium View. We did a couple shows at the Stadium View uh, in the summer of um, '99, and uh, the the Stadium View is a, a great venue. Um, but their bread and butter is weddings and right. Packer season and things like that. So we found a, a more accommodating venue to us in the Watering Hole on Velp Avenue in in Green Bay, and. Um, I had a great relationship with uh, Tim Brunette, the owner there. Uh, he was really good to us. And uh, you is know, he still the owner? Uh, I I believe his family has something to do with it. I don't think Tim himself does. Um, his his wife passed, and uh, he's pretty much retired now. Um, but I do believe one of his his children. Uh, one of his sons is the GM of the place, but I don't know if they still hmm. own it or not. But, um, but they were they were super accommodating, and uh, was a was a a good place. It was easy to get to right off a highway. It was large, right? Um, and it had kind of a gritty atmosphere. But the thing that attracted us to that, um, doing a lot of wrestling shows in Minnesota as a wrestler, I I hated the fact that promoters there would run armories which was basically a big empty building that you could get for a fee and in wisconsin you know we seem to run bars right and the volleyball league at the watering hole was four or five nights a week with 1200 volleyball members so right there by running a show at a venue like that you already were guaranteed 1200 people know you're having a wrestling show right and then they they would put it on their marquee, which is a on a prime piece of real estate. That didn't hurt either, and a lot of traffic there too. Correct, and and that's one of the the keys to promoting. You know, um, you know there are promoters that will run shows at a free venue because it's free, but it's it's tucked in a corner in the middle of nowhere that doesn't advertise itself. That that's not going to help you sell any tickets. Right. Uh. Do you miss? Because I know you know. Yet we had the uh, the triple threat wrestling thing a couple of years ago. Do you miss? Like, is is promoting? Will promoting forever be like in your blood? Do you think? Yes. Um, do you miss it? I do. Uh, I I definitely miss um, a lot of aspects of of promoting. When people talk about you know the cycle of life, and they they make the analogy of. When you're young, you have your health and you have time, but you don't have any money. And then when you're middle-aged, you have money, you have your health, but you don't have any time. And then when you get older, <laughs> you have time, you have money, but you don't have your health. Right. And, you know, and, and promoting was like that in a lot of ways. So, I, you know, Eric Hammers and I started up ACW, and then eventually for we did that for four years, then... Mercury One Wrestling had, was around for two years. Uh, then Triple Threat Wrestling was around for seven shows. Um, it, it it comes down to you know time and, and money. And in my 20s, I didn't have any money, but we were able to build something successful that took off and could support itself. Now I, I, I am afforded a, a little better lifestyle, but 
with that lifestyle comes not a lot of time. You know, being a dad, um, you know, soon to be a husband. Right. It 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 doesn't. My my career is very rewarding and satisfying to me, but I don't have the the hours in a week to give running wrestling shows that the do justice they need to be successful yeah well like i know i find that now and i'm not even pro i'm just like a shitty crappy wrestler but uh but like trying to juggle time between going to the gym going to work hanging out with my gal so like that it's just like i feel like i could i could maybe put more time into wrestling but then one of the other things will suffer you know what i mean or like i should be watching nxt every single week but then would I like have less time to train? Would I have less time to like just veg out? It's tough. It's really, really hard to schedule. Like any, anyone that's able to juggle everything or even just make the leap and bet on yourself and just go to wrestling full time is it's 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 crazy, crazy tough. You know? It it is and I think with a lot of people it comes down to priorities and what do you prioritize in your life at that moment? And you see a lot of lot of young hungry independent wrestlers and they get to a crossroads some guys reach that crossroads at 27 28 other guys hit that crossroad at 31 32 where okay you while it may not have been your goal when you broke into the wrestling business of i want to be in wwe and hit wrestlemania you might have much lower goals it's always in the back of your mind. And I think when you get to that crossroads, things start to get taken away from you. And yeah. other things become priorities, whether it's children or, you know, guys are faced with, okay, I can get a promotion at my day job, but that's not going to afford me the time to dedicate to this craft. So I have to dial back my involvement in in the craft and sport of pro wrestling and um and it's it's just something that's inevitable and i i applaud all the people in the world that put all their chips in the middle and say you know what hell with it i'm gonna go for this wrestling dream and the people that do uh i think a lot of them come out either successful or they they come out better because of it because it eliminates any of that doubt or any of that what if because I'm at the time of this recording I'm a month shy of turning 40 and uh, I know I have colleagues that are filled full of what if and that that just eats you up like don't don't leave nothing on the table man like if you got a a, a dream go for it well to kind of uh, to kind of veer off just just for just a, one exit off the highway just to veer off uh ketchup or mustard always ketchup always ketchup always ketchup on everything with fries with <laughs> I I prefer ranch myself okay <laughs> but uh given those two choices ketchup ketchup okay fair enough uh Steve uh Sadis loves that uh loves that ketchup stuff was it ketchup? No, he, no. He loves he loves honey mustard, but he does not like yellow mustard. He calls it the devil's work. What are your thoughts on that? I can only eat mustard <laughs> on uh, burgers. Okay. I I do not care for mustard on 
Bratwursts, ham oh, sandwiches. I like my brats like plain turkey. Like, no, nothing on them. Oh uh, yeah, it's uh, m- mustard is best in moderation. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, you went a little bit into training, and um, I hope most most of the listeners know that you train the guy who tra- has trained. You know, I would say most of the talent in Wisconsin. I'd say most of the top talent in Wisconsin trained Shane Hills. What uh, what were some of his first sessions like? <laughs> now I've heard these stories secondhand from him, but I want to hear them from the man. Sure, All sure. Right. Well, I I think you know when we laid out the the curriculum for our, our training, you know we we looked at um, you know the the training I had breaking into the business. You know we. Eric Hammers, myself, we were we were Chris Bassett guys, you know, which was uh, from the Vern Gagne family tree of Brad Rangan's AWA, um, and the it, it's it's a physical business, so it's going to be a physical demanding um, camp, and we set it up like a camp, you know, we we had a, a start and an end goal. The, the big differences was, you know, Bassett was great at teaching the fundamentals of wrestling. However, there was not a lot of theory and psychology. So we wanted to expand upon that. And I think with Shane, uh, like so many of our other guys... Tune into the Indie Power Rankings reveal every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern on Blog Talk Radio, Filling the Void Radio Network. You can also subscribe to Filling the Void Radio Network on iTunes. Give a follow to the Indie Power Rankings on Twitter at Indie Power Ranking, no GS. Instagram at Indie Power Rankings. On Facebook, facebook.com slash Indie Power Rankings. You can also go to the website where you can see the top 10 for the week, the tag team top 5, anything else independent wrestling related, Indie Power Rankings, IPR.wordpress.com. For the latest pro wrestling news, keep it locked to www.gerweck.net. Gerwig.net, pro wrestling since 1997. So Shane broke his leg during his training. And when he broke his leg, that meant, you know, he was on the sidelines for a while. So Shane trained for a year, year and a half before he debuted. Uh, you know, Ken Anderson was six months. He he started bumping in April. He didn't debut till September. Sure. Big Daddy Loker was a year. Um, and... You know, we had, we've had other guys. You know, Silas Young uh, came to our camp after he had already went through the Chris Bassett camp, and he he suffered an injury. You yeah. know, and he was on the sidelines, and um, and I think when you what I guess the big differences is uh, a lot of wrestling schools see a a potential student as someone that can sell them tickets, so they rush to get them out there yeah. and and the best compliment we ever had and it, it it came from when guys saw shane russell and it came when guys saw other people wrestle rough rider Rashawn and others was wow i can't believe that that was that guy's second match i would have thought it was his 30th match you know they they were really they were ready they were they were very polished yeah and and i think that with the guys that have come under the shane tree of the dojo like yourself, Logan Lynch, Sadist, you know, even even the people at the end of my run and the beginning of his run, uh, Stacy Shadows, Ian Gager, um, 
and you know Brock Hall and and I'm not trying to leave anybody out but there's so there's many a lot. yeah there's a lot <laughs> and and they're all they're all polished and they don't look like that deer in the headlights scared shitless greenhorn that they really are because they've had a thousand hours of, right. of ring time before they debut and bumping over and over again running the ropes for like three miles worth basically in the r- session right so yeah. once once you get your first couple matches under your belt and you get rid of that nervousness it it's just become second hat and you see guys take off and i think that's the and, and shane was no different um you know shane uh broke in with rough rider or sean and they were the main main two guys in that class and so they worked with each other a lot and you know you, you take lamont rough rider Rashan, who's from you know milwaukee and you take shane who's a, a country boy <laughs> and it's it's kind of a lifestyle clash and they everybody learns things differently and you could give examples and you'd talk about things and you'd be like, oh, well, Jushin Liger did it this way in New Japan. You know, Shane not having, you know, a VCR <laughs> or, 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 you know, things like that might not know what that is or how to get a hold of that. <laughs> you know, you you would then produce it for him and, and he'd, he'd catch on. But Shane is is the Energizer Bunny. You see it with how he trains guys to this day. Yeah. Shane's older than me and in way better shape, does not get tired. No. Uh, he's Strong as hell. Oh, he's just, he is. He's he's a awesome, awesome dude. And he he trains people the way he was trained, and that... Uh, is such an awesome, satisfying feeling. And to see everybody have success from the you know the people we train, the Silas Youngs, the Cody Rices of the world, to the people he's trained today uh, is easily the most satisfying part of, of my time in the wrestling business is seeing that legacy live on. To, uh, to kind of backtrack on uh, Shane not being technologically uh, inclined, when WWE Network first came out, he asked me and Brock to uh, to tape one of the pay-per-views. And we're like, well, you can't really do that because it's like a, it's like a service. Like, it's like a, like you either watch it on a computer or like, you know, you have like a smart TV and you go from there. He's like, why? He's like, so you're telling me if I go to the Shopco in Manitowoc and I buy, buy a blank tape... That you can't record it for me. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what we're telling you. And he just like flips off, like for no freaking reason. We're like, I'm sorry, Shane, that this is how it is, but I, that's how it is. And he's like, you, he's like, yeah. you know, he just goes off on a Shaneism. But that, that, you know, that's the guy who the day he joined Facebook, it was like a national freaking event. You remember that day? I do remember that day. Yeah. Uh, I was very impressed that he was voxing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That was that was that was very impressive. Uh, a Twitter account like he's uh, he's come a long way. Uh, the day he joined Facebook will live in infamy because me and Avalon were driving back from Mole Lake. We're like, oh, Shane sent you a friend request. Okay, Shane's in a relationship. Okay, Shane's single. All right, Shane Shane is in a relationship. 
But uh, what what is it with uh, there's issues like in a relationship? It's complicated. Oh, complicated. <laughs> yeah. And he was married again, and then he was single again within like six hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shane on the internet is just a hoot. Uh, okay, so say you're on death row, and you're you're being given your last meal before you get you know taken in, right? What is on Mike Mercury's last meal, as issued by the great state of whatever state you're in at the time? Uh, steak, mashed potatoes, gravy. How are you getting that steak? Medium. Medium? What kind of cut? Uh, sirloin. Sirloin? Yeah. Okay. Uh, mashed potatoes, brown gravy, uh, and a slice of cheesecake. Everyone, everyone has said cheesecake. Every single freaking person. I'm not even kidding. What is with all you people and cheesecake? Is it just like a, pl- a, pl- a plain slice or like strawberry or chocolate or what are you getting? I I like turtle cheesecake the best. What's on turtle cheesecake? Chocolate caramel. Chocolate caramel? Um, it, it's uh, We can go get some after this interview. It's I don't like cheesecake at all. Oh, it'll change your life. No, okay. So here's what, and this is for real. When I envision cheesecake, I envision white flour like cake with shredded cheese in it and like that sounds disgusting it's the same reason I don't like cream cheese I envision like a block of cheddar cheese that has been melted all the way it sounds disgusting I'm not into that scene I'm sorry Merc oh hey to each his own brother maybe maybe it turns out I'm not a Merc guy after all have you ever heard that <sighs> no About, but I like it uh <clears throat> when you first uh started running again uh Avalon Brock used to make fun of me like oh yeah there goes that Merc guy there goes George's a classic Merc that sellout guy because you put me in the main of what was it, your first show or second show or whatever or I was like I'm not a Merc like, I don't know he, I think he just needs an underdog in the main and they're like no no you're a Merc guy like like you're always hanging out with him and stuff and so yeah that's that's a, that once this comes out they're gonna we have a group chat they're gonna call me a Merc guy so thank you for the future bullying I appreciate that yeah yeah there's there's a few merc guys out there that's, that's do, you, right. do you feel like listening to them? Who, who are who are some of the infamous merc guys well, well, was, was 12 gauge <laughs> was 12 gauge a merc guy i i talked to ian a lot yeah he uh if you ask my daughters they call him my boyfriend because he, <laughs> he calls a lot um he's he's not a texter uh like no, no. shane he is um a little bit uh technology challenged and uh would much rather pick up the phone and when he's making his car rides to Steel Domain Wrestling in Minnesota or other venues in Chicago or what have you, uh, he he leans on me for a lot of advice. Uh, so Ian's definitely a, a Merc guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you miss training? Um, no, I. Training is a lot like gardening. It's a lot of work. And you you hope all the work you put in turns out. And you have a really good harvest. And sometimes you do. Sometimes the work you put in, stuff surprises you. And sometimes you put in all that work and then there's nothing there at the end. And uh, that bums you out. Um, I I miss the bond that you have with you know, the students and stuff. Um, You know, there's certain people, I used to always put their name in my phone as, you know, Ian's student. That's what Shane does. Yes, yes. Yeah. And and, uh, once they become established enough, 
you know, they get their own name. In, well, Shane doesn't change in, it. In the, <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> he probably doesn't know how. But, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like uh, I want to say it was like a year ago I finally updated uh, Stacy Shadows from Gen Student to Stacy Shadows. Uh, well, and so I heard about you doing that and I heard about Shane doing that. So then when I would start meeting green guys, I would come to Shane's and if like, Say I had to give him a ride or whatever because they lived in Green Bay. I would put him in my phone as like, like Logan Lynch. I put him in my phone as Ted Green Kid, and like I go through my phone sometimes and I have like a Chris Green Kid, uh, Paula Green Girl, and just like all this stuff. Like I don't even know who some of these people are because, like you say, all the plans have not grown. You know, how about what do you think of Logan Lynch? You have, you have some limited exposure to him. What, what um, do you think about him? Uh, the the little bit I've seen, I like. Um, uh, my my sister knew him outside of wrestling, um, but uh, you know Shane will give me the scouting report on on what's going down at the dojo, and uh, I was present for his first match, um, you know, and I've seen other matches over time. Uh, you and him <laughs> had a real good match up in uh, Surring, Wisconsin. Yeah, uh, for Bruno, um, you know, I saw him just the other day. Uh, wrestled twice at uh, WPW's Watering Hole event, and you know he's super over. Got a great look, got a great attitude. Yeah, you know he's he's got a he's got a lot of potential. And um, there's there's certain independent wrestlers that when you watch them, they they just have it. And uh, he's he's very mild mannered outside the ring, a lot like a, a Dino Bambino was. Yeah. And that um, he's the kind of guy that he could achieve even more in the wrestling business if he got more aggressive outside the ring and yeah. and, and got a little more um, aggressive with, with seeking out bookings because they would come. Ted's, uh, Ted's one of those guys who, like, when you first meet him, he, he definitely is mild-mannered, but he has a very, like, sneaky, like, weird sense of humor. Like a very specific, weird, weird sense of humor. Like he's he's perfect for wrestling. You you have to be. Um, if you're not, I don't think you last long. Like you got to be. Um, I, I guess uh, what everybody would classify as normal. Yeah. Like there's not a lot of normal folks in wrestling. No. Like everybody has some type of issue about them. Well, and I think like. Kind of, uh, that's one of the things I'm really drawn to, and we're talking about it on the way uh, to the to the scrap iron place, how like or the way back, how wrestling has like all these different personalities, and we're all kind of drawn to each other because at the end of the day, like doesn't matter where you trained or who trained you, you've pretty much gone through the same experiences, and it's like these are your comrades, you know, like these are like like your brothers and your sisters for life, really, until they piss you off. No, absolutely, and and family. Uh, you know, they're, they're brothers, sisters, family. Um, and, uh, I think Ted is a, a good example. You know, I, I know, I know Shane views his students the same way, you know, I viewed mine. Right. You, you view them like children and they're, they're a lot like kids cause the way they ask questions and they're so eager and bright eyed and you see them grow and as they blossom, they they kind of graduate from like your child to to your brother, and 
you know, that doesn't mean you don't get pissed at them. <laughs> I mean, you all fight with family members from time to time, but at the end of the day, you still love them. And they, they, they've gone through what you've gone through and you're, you're happy for anybody that has success in this crazy business. Sure. Uh, when was your last match? I retired from active wrestling in 2004, February of 2004. It was a show for Angel Armani and Tommy Rocks, and uh, I didn't know it at the time. I, I was like, I'm going to take a break. Yeah. And uh, that break lasted three years, and uh, Mercury One Wrestling started and on about our 20th show what year was that uh 2007 so yep, we that's did when it started well mercury one started in 05 oh okay we had our two-year anniversary show in 2007 so i wrestled a tag match with shane against um mickey mccoy and rob norwood hmm. and i i did a warm-up match before that um, I want to say uh, uh, Lance Stansky, the, the gentleman that used to own the ring that Mickey McCoy has. Shout out to Lance Stansky. Love me some Lance Stansky. <laughs> um, he he ran a show in Tillado, Wisconsin, and I worked Angel Armani about a month before that watering hole show just to get the butterflies out of the way. Sure. And then in 2012, 2013, 2012, um, I was in better shape than I am now. I was 30 pounds lighter and was working out three to five days a week. And I did a show in uh, 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 Valders and wrestled Diamond Dave Damone and what is very, very likely my last match. So, um, you, you don't have like uh, one more Bumski, one more Scoop Slam? Uh, Would it have to be like the the right specific circumstances, um, like a controlled environment? I, I think as I'm 39 and 11 twelfths, um, it uh, would take a lot of work to get into a shape besides round to, <laughs> to uh, want to have a wrestling match. So my, my daughters are very much into WWE right now. Sure. And 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 maybe just maybe maybe like if I was in good enough shape um, on the right show for the right promoter, I might might consider a, a tag match or something. Sure. But uh, uh, if I don't ever take a bump in a ring again, I'd be okay with that too. Hmm. Now. Uh... Who who did you start work one with? Was it was that with Shane or who was that? There with? was four of us. Um, so when we were in ACW, uh, Eric Hammers and myself started it. We we became incorporated when we had a, a third financial investor come aboard. We were ACW Entertainment Inc. Um, with Mercury One, we formed a LLC. And what's the difference? Um, it, tax implications liability reasons ownership reasons like um the the and there's a couple different kinds of llcs but um basically the llc was cheaper um so we went that route um 
and we were HNKB LLC, which the HNKB stood for Hills, uh, Kraus, Norwood, and Bukholtz. So it was Rob Norwood, Shane Hills, Rich Bukholtz, and myself. And the four of us, um, basically, uh, I got out of the wrestling promoting game in '02. Okay. Shortly after the ACW television era, um, and having been out of the the rest, I was retired from actively wrestling for a year plus, and I was three years removed from promoting. Um, Shane and Rob <clears throat> approached me and said, "Hey, we want to get something going, and and we want to do something similar to what we had." Uh, okay. what we, the the magic that we had 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 kind of was gone at that time and and so we tried to rekindle that with a different business plan uh under the the banner of Mercury One Wrestling. Okay. Now, and that was 2005 when we started that uh about a year after that, you would have received an email as you get a nice big smile on your face. 2006. Uh, who did you get an email from, Mike Mercury? Well, I got a lot of emails over the years. And uh, uh, I, I remember getting one from Jimmy Jacobs. Okay. But I, I don't think that's the email you're talking about. <laughs> no. So, um, so I was unaware of this email uh, until it would have been the first time I met you. Yes. Actually. Uh, and and you brought it up, and I was still unaware of said email. <laughs> but I then went through and through my email box, which has never been cleaned out, and is still active to this day, and it's got probably ten thousand emails, and searched it, and sure enough, there it was. It was a a Jordan Dietschy from the Oakfield, Wisconsin area. A, <laughs> I want to say it was a senior in high school. Yes. And I was getting my prospects filled. Well, and and one of the most flattering things, which you told me on a road trip later on in life, was you said, you know, Merck, I put more time, thought, and effort into that email than any paper I ever did in high school yeah. or college or anything. That, <laughs> that email meant the world to me. Well, basically, it was like a letter of intent almost uh, to a degree. Well, okay, so to back up a little bit, I, I got a wrestling almanac. I think it was an almanac or like a who's who or something like that. And the way back was lists of wrestling schools and stuff like that through, in every single state. And in it listed for Wisconsin was uh the Cobra Camp and uh it didn't have Thumper's thing in Bruce City but it did mention Bruce City in Milwaukee and then it had uh your stuff up in and I was like, well that's only an hour away and at the time one of my best friends uh who I actually ended up living with was going to school UWGB. It's like, you know what, like everyone's going off to college, I'm gonna go uh go out to the American dream and I'm gonna wrestle. So uh I sent you this email and I did I worked on it for like and it was probably like what two paragraphs, three paragraphs, but I knew I had to word it carefully so I didn't come off as too much of like a fanboy. But I wanted you to know that like I was serious, like I was ready to go. I was ready to make my my five thousand dollar deposit, Roland Alexander style. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, 
did, did you just did you did you respond? I can't remember. I'm sure I responded, and it was probably the similar generic response we did with a lot of inquiries, where we gave a phone number. You know, we said laid it out. You know, back then our camp was sixteen hundred bucks. Um, there was a hundred dollar tryout. After the tryout, if we deemed you a good fit and you deemed it a good fit for you, the hundred dollars would come off the sixteen hundred dollar tuition. There'd be a fifteen hundred dollar balance. We'd work out a payment plan in the fifteen hundred, and we would uh, then go about training. and And I've I've spoken to the classes at the academy school that Davari and Ken have. I've I've done that like twice now, and one of the times I. I, I talked to those guys, I brought up how, you know, and I think my school was a good example of that. You, there's, when you talk about the percentages of making it and things like that, and, and this is where your, your email inquiry kind of stems from, is that for every, for every two emails I'd get, one person would actually do a tryout. Right. And for every two tryouts, one would actually continue training. And for every two guys that trained, one would actually debut. Right. For every two guys that debuted, one would actually continue on in the sport of wrestling. Of every guy that continued on in the sport of wrestling, you know, one would be ever successful, you know. Right. And, and depending on your level of success, you know. And then at the highest level of that, you'd have, you know, make it in WWE, that kind of thing. So in my wrestling tree... Because somebody says, "How many tryouts do you think you've done over the years?" and I, I, I couldn't. I'm guessing in the hundreds, the low right. hundreds, you know. And we had, you know, we had Ken that made it. You had Ken and Silas Young that are, you know, on that level of making it. With Ken being the WWE guy, then you've got the wildly successful indie guys, and and then you've got the guys that while well, they debuted, but then they maybe vanished, and then the guys that just trained, the guys that just bumped. The guys that just tried out, and then the guys that were just curious and would waste your time with emails and phone calls, and it's like, well, if you're serious, let's let's set up a tryout. And so, you know, I usually tried to respond to the various correspondents as, all right, man, let's set up a. Right. Here's my number. Give me a call. And I've I've had people contact me after that. You know, still that. They dug up an old wrestling magazine, and my phone number was in it or email was in it, and I happily passed them on to Shane or the Academy or sure. you know some other reputable school, depending on where they live. Well, uh, I was, like, I had my mindset, and I was, like, saving money to go train in 2006 right after high school. But at the time, I dated a real son-of-a-bitch girlfriend who hated wrestling, uh, hated it. Hated the hell out of it, and she said, "No, you should just get a job and live in Oakville, Wisconsin, your whole life, and that's it. You're not going to wrestle." And so that happened. And then she saw me watching wrestling. I was like, "No, I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling around her." And then the whole Benoit family thing happened, and I got turned off to wrestling, like a lot of people did. But in any event, I'm glad the way things worked out, Merck. Good for for all for all for all of us in in the straightest way possible, right? Well, and, you know, and that's that's a good point. Like, I think there's probably 18, 19-year-olds out there now today listening to podcasts and think, oh, you know, I wish I would have started wrestling when I was 17 or something. Yeah. Because there are guys that are 22 years old and four-year veterans, <laughs> and we're jealous of those people. But 
it's not for everybody no. and some people have to find their way in life and find out who you are as a man or a Absolutely. woman and after that you can make a more educated decision you know um a lot of people just aren't mature enough at that age to pursue something as serious as a wrestling career and i am glad that like i waited until i was 24 i've been living on my own for you know three four years at that point been through jobs been through girlfriends had bills and when i finally like got into it like i was mature enough like you say and um while i i knew not to like be a complete dick i also wasn't just going to take any shit from anyone you know i, I kind of talked about that with uh, brock that like that was a big difference between him and i he started when he was 18 19 i started like as an adult and uh I'm really glad I waited. I'm really, really. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. If I could go back, I wouldn't change a thing. I'm really glad I waited. So, um, so we kind of talked about Ted, uh, and I know you know you're kind of like, you're almost like kind of hovering as we hear your dog either snore or growl in the kitchen. What do you think? Is she snoring or? Is oh yeah, she, that's, she's big time snore. I, I have a five year old pug who is. Uh, Little, Sounds she, like a pig. Yeah, she's, she's a little chunkster. She's a little chunkster. She, she snorts and grunts like a pig. But yeah, that's uh, <laughs> she's in a peanut butter coma. I think <laughs> a peanut butter induced coma right now. Uh, you know, I, I like to kind of think that you're still like more or less lurking in the shadows, waiting. You know, just kind of like keeping your eye on stuff. Who are some of the wrestlers, say in the area or in the Midwest or anyone like that, that you're kind of keeping an eye on, or who who should people be? Because like you're a guy who like like you say like you know when certain guys have it, like you've seen the talent. Who are guys that people should be keeping an eye on, like given like your stamp of approval? Um, I've always thought a successful wrestling show is is like a buffet. It should have something for everybody. You need. A high flying match. You need a hard hitting super heavyweight match. You need maybe one type of gimmick match, a woman's match, a little something for everyone. So, um, I think the best way to answer your question, you know, is if if you're a promoter out there, what do you want to fill that role on your card? Because there is somebody like that. You know, you take a guy like like Brock Hall and. With with independent wrestling, there's a lot of almost all wrestlers have a weakness, and they have a strength, you know. So, um, you could take a guy that I'll, I'll pick on Brock for a second, right? And I I, I love and respect the hell well, out Brock's of Brock. Brock's the best. I mean, here here's a guy. He's an asset on any show because yep. he will, you know. He'll he'd set up, tear down, first guy there, last guy to leave, says please, says thank you. Not Saturday, I was like the first guy there, but keep going. <laughs> well, and he'll he will not have a bad match. I, I, I don't ever see a show where he has where he doesn't have a bad match. And and conversely, when you think of guys that okay, I'm running a show, who do I need to book? And your show will not be successful without a Brock Hall type person on it. But Brock's not the first guy you think of because, well, I need Ted. I need I need I need a Logan Lynch because he looks like a million bucks. I need a Joey Avalon because he's charismatic as as crap. I need a sadist because he's a big effing intense dude. I need a Ian Gager because 
Um, he's just a big bone, badass kid. Like it, there's, depending on what you need, you can have that, you know, like you're not going to have a bad woman's match with Stacy shadows on a show. Right. Um, you know, that being said, she needs an opponent. So, you know, if you want comedy and a little bit of ha ha, you can book a gorgeous Jordy Lee. You can book a, a Husky heartthrob, Cody Rice. Like, there's guys out there, you know, that fit the bill of what you need. Um, so, really, it, it comes down to what are you looking for as a promoter because you can find it. Okay. So, what are you looking for as a promoter? Well, <laughs> I think you're looking for talent that will sell ticket too. You know, and by that I mean um, a young guy making his debut sells ticket one everybody wants to see this guy you know come out and and uh sell ticket one you know but it takes a a good steady show a good promotion um a that will in turn sell ticket two like when you see you may have never heard of Peter Schwanz. You may have never heard of of Joey Avalon. But after you see them wrestle, after you see a TW3 or a Justin Dredd, you're curious and you're like, huh, I want to see more. You know, I I like Nick Colucci. That guy's got a good look. I want to see more. And and that's what sells ticket two and and gets somebody to come back out. You know, I, I think your question as far as like, who do I see has, you know, the potential to get signed? You know, I, I think uh, in on the Minnesota side of things, I, I think Airwolf is a guy that will not be done on the independent scene. That guy is going to go as far as he wants to go. Um, and I would say he's probably the number one prospect in the Midwest right now. Um, you know, and I think at one time, Sadist probably held that distinction. Um, you know, but, and and there's nothing wrong with being the third best prospect in the Midwest right. or whatever. But I, I, I'd say I, I, I'm partial to, to Ian Gager. I think when you look at, um, you know, when you look at weaknesses, right, like, like Brock Hall has a look. Like if 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 I was a promoter, I'd say Brock, I need you to be Tanner. You right. Know, I, you get a tan, I'm gonna I'm gonna push you. You know. So like maybe his look would be his weakness because his ring work is as best as anybody out there. It's top notch. Right. Right. And you know, Ian Gager is a guy that's got the look. He's got the size. He's a pretty good worker. Um. But you know, I, I haven't heard him talk. What. What can he sound like? Can he talk somebody in the door? Can he sell tickets with his promo? You know, right. like he he comes off as an outstanding babyface in his hometown, and he's a heel everywhere else. You know, so is that a guy that you could get behind? You know, so it, it it's uh, every wrestler has a weakness, and I think the the key is what can you do to accentuate your positives and work on your areas of opportunity is the key there then to like just get more 
more like attempts at at base, like or at bat or whatever, like just to keep swinging, you know, like uh, more matches to try to cover up those weaknesses, or 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 what's the strategy there? Because you can only go as far as you can going to camp. And working on drills and doing mock matches. Correct. Right? You you need to work other people. And probably the biggest knock that um, some people have on certain independent wrestlers is we, we all become victims to our own bubble. And you look at northeast Wisconsin, there's not really much of a wrestling scene north of us. Right. So you can only go south. Lake Michigan is to the east, so we, we can't. <laughs> really go east so you can go west to minnesota four hours away you you can go south to chicago you know three and a half hours away yeah and but that's what you need to do i i feel and the criticism was always there in the twin cities because you had so much talent out there that you know in my in my almost 20 years of of being around the wrestling business the guys that made it out of minnesota were guys that went elsewhere you know uh, Thorough, now Eric Rowan, Ken Anderson, Sean Devari, ODB, Austin Aries, they they left. You know, they went other places. They they physically moved themselves to other cities for for opportunities. And I think that the thing lacking with so many independent wrestlers is, oh, uh, you know, these three promoters treat me like a million bucks, and I'm their champion, and I'm loyal to them. Well, you can still be loyal to them and branch out your wings. And St. Louis is seven hours away. Nashville is 12 hours away. Indianapolis is seven hours away from from Green Bay. So why are you not wrestling in those places? There, There are enough wrestling shows that you should never, ever, ever have a Saturday off. You should very rarely have a Friday off. And quite frankly, especially in the summer, like there's enough festivals and stuff, you can get Thursday and Sunday bookings, you know, and but you you might have to go a ways to do it. So if, right. if if this is the goal, then see the goal through, and and get out there. And that's that crossroads that we were talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Where you know when you get to be twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, and Maybe you've got a little bun in the oven or, you know, you've got a, a, a new spouse and all of a sudden you're like, huh, like it, 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 it doesn't justify. And I, I tell I tell young wrestlers, you need to get something out of every match, whether it's a payday, whether it's the experience of it all, whether it's the experience of working better people. But over time, are, are you going to benefit wrestling a guy in Iowa for the first time in front of a unique audience that doesn't know you or would you be better off wrestling a person that you've already wrestled 45 times before right. so but i i get it like you also can't drive six hours one way for 30 bucks and miss a day of work to do it or or or, or burn a vacation day right right you know? so um you know i think that if uh someone is success is is bent on on making wrestling a priority you're going to do the things that will allow you to do the things like you're going to get a job where you can set your own schedule or where you can be somewhat self-employed and Mm -hmm. um 
and it's not wrong if you can't do those things right. you know there's there's i there's nothing wrong with paying your mortgage and right. and and doing it that way either so well <clears throat> that was kind of like the uh <clears throat> sorry uh that was kind of like the a couple months ago when I was looking into switching jobs and everything like that and uh, my fiance has a very high paying job at Schneider uh, here in Green Bay and she said you know if if you want to like quit your job and either find some sort of like side hustle like an Uber or whatever or donate plasma and if you want to focus on wrestling like you can like I'm going to give you that pass to do it and I did obviously I ended up getting a different job but it was kind of, it was kind of something I thought about for like about a month or two I was like Man, like, could I? But, oh, man, like, it's just such a, uh, it's not so much risk reward, but you just start thinking, like, it's like, uh, struggling with that, like, loser's mentality of instead of looking at the, uh, positives, you just think, immediately think of the negatives, like, oh, I'd be gone, and blah, 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 blah. It's like, you don't think about the reward of it. You know, it's tough. It's really, really tough, you know? So, um, uh, what's the, you're either the best show you ever ran or like your favorite show that you ever ran um probably my my favorite show was the in the ACW TV era you know I guess I got two of them I'll, I'll the ACW TV era we did a ACW MPW invasion and we reached out to one of the promoters we were working for a lot in the Twin Cities, the Midwest Pro Wrestling, which they had the young Sean Davari, the young Austin Aries, um, Black Stallion, um, Shifty Dan Schaffner, Sheriff Johnny Emerald. Those guys came over. We stuck some of our own heels with them, and we built up a little ACW-MPW feud. And the main event after seven months eight months was a acw mpw cage match and then on that same night we also did kevin krueger passing the torch dropping the championship to ken anderson um our that's my favorite episode of acw tv it was a preview show where it it was 30 minutes of pimping that live event right and you know, we we averaged over 500 paid for two years running monthly shows. I want to say we had like a $7,000 gate that, that night, you know, with 10 and $20 tickets, 10 and $15 tickets, something like that. Um, and it was very rewarding. And I remember Angel Armani said to me, how do you uh, top that next month? And I looked at him and I said, you don't. And right. the next month we did a Miss ACW um, bikini contest <laughs> with the various ring girls and the, the stuff. cool off show. Yeah, and yeah. It, it was, and it, it gave us a different type of event to promote, but it allowed the the fans to come back down because there wasn't any way we could top that right action and violence and um, you know. But I I've had more lucrative shows. We had a Mercury One show where uh, you know Ken was. The same weekend he was to wrestle Batista for the title at Royal Rumble, he did a autograph signing at a Mercury One show, and we had I think it was eight hundred and thirty paid or something for that show. Um, Mickey McCoy, I remember, was on the opener. 
there's one match of that that's out on YouTube. It's like um, Roughneck Jay Ryan versus a wrestler from Minnesota named Kid Crazy. And, um, you know, you can see that it's a pretty nice house. Yeah. So. Well, uh, yeah, as we wrap up here, I definitely appreciate you, you know, letting me into this den and do your, your rape den that you have down here. <laughs> Anytime. Anytime, man. Uh, you know, I know you're not in the wrestling game, but do you, do you want to plug, like, your Twitter or anything like that? Or uh, put, yeah. put that email out there in case it's still on magazines? <laughs> sure, sure. No, but uh, on Twitter, uh, Mike Mercury of GB, um, I, I, I tweet about work things, fantasy football things, sure. pictures of my dog, <laughs> so, and, and the, the occasional wrestling opinion. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah give me give me a follow on there it's much appreciated thanks buddy anytime hello wrestling fans Colt cabana coming to you live from the one hour tease arena beautiful chicago illinois the pro wrestling action has been great so far as you can see joey really dominating the ring so far there's a beautiful belly to back suplex and uh-oh Looks like Joey's shirt has been ripped. What's up with that? You ripped my shirt. Let's go check an instant replay, see exactly what happened there. You can see Joey's shirt ripped from the collar, and that's not good when you're trying to wear your pro wrestling t-shirt. Man, you ripped my shirt. It's my only shirt. Joey. Hey, it looks like Ryan from One Hour Tees just threw Joey Ryan a brand new t-shirt. Thanks, pro wrestling tees. ProWrestlingTees.com, over 3,000 wrestling t-shirts designed and sold by pro wrestlers. Wrestlers such as Steve Austin, CM Punk, Macho Man, Mick Foley, DDP, Andre the Giant, Jake the Snake, Hexaw, Jim Duggan, Scott Hall, Ted DiBiase, Colt Cabana, Joey Ryan, Cliff Compton, and the entire Bullet Club. All stores owned by pro wrestlers. Support pro wrestling today and visit ProWrestlingTees.com. This is Chris from Spot Monkey Media. Are you a professional wrestler, a promoter, a business owner? Spot Monkey Media is graphic design for the wrestling professional. We offer design services for t-shirts, event posters, 8x10s, logos, and even ring gear. But if you're not in the wrestling business, we work outside the ropes. Go to SpotMonkeyMedia.com for more information. Spot Monkey Media. Create your legacy. Hey everybody, this is RGG from the Regular Guy Gaming Podcast on the Grapple Talk Network. I think it's safe to say if you like wrestling, you also like games. So join me and my co-host Ragbag as we talk about old games, new games, games we love, games we hate, special guests, interviews, and of course, Ragbag's love for Luigi Mansion. That is all on Regular Guy gaming check us out hey guys this is ac riley reminding you to check out the riley factor only on the grapple talk network join me as i talk wrestling interview wrestlers in my spotlight and squared circle segment and much much more what are you waiting for head on over to itunes and subscribe to the grapple talk network today and as always support independent wrestling so, Jesse, apparently we have to make a promo for our podcast, but I'm not exactly sure what we're supposed to say. Oh, come on, Nick. We just got to talk about Grapple Talk, where we talk about wrestling. It doesn't matter if it's the national stuff or the local stuff. That's true. I mean, regardless if it's WWE or our Spotlight in the Squared Circle segment where we highlight local talent, we cover it all. Oh, we also got to plug the social media. That's right. Facebook.com slash the Grapple Talk, and you can follow us on Twitter at the Grapple Talk. Man, that was a really good promo. That was. High five. Oh, yeah. Well, there you have it. There it is. All the information you need, all the weird little stories, all the murkisms. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. 
Uh, as much as I did talking to him, it's a very casual chat as you listen to. And uh, yeah, hope you got some more information and whatever. I don't know. I <laughs> hope you enjoyed it, really. Uh, before we end the show, as always, upcoming shows. Uh, I think AC Riley should definitely, when he's editing this, put in like a ching ching or something like that. Or a pow, pow, I don't know. Horrible sound effects. Upcoming shows. Q sound effect. Uh, this Saturday, nine, uh, September 23rd. Cannot believe it's nearly in September after the next couple days. I touched on it in the intro, but I'm still shocked. I'm shocked and I'm mortified. Uh, 923. Great Lakes Championship Wrestling presents Hornswoggled. Uh, that is in Cedarburg, Wisconsin at Circle B Recreation. 929, September 29th, ACW 20, presented by All-Star Championship Wrestling, of course, at the Oshkosh Masonic Temple, Oshkosh, Wisconsin. 10-6, the 6th of October, National Federation Wrestling, NFW, presents Road to the Title. It's located at the Hoots on the Water. Yes, that's what it's really called. I'm going to be definitely saying that joke many times when I'm there. Uh, Rice Lake, Wisconsin. 10-7 the next day, October 7th. Pro Wrestling Battleground presents Retribution. That's at Wilbisky's Blue Saloon, St. Paul, Minnesota. Always a blast wrestling at uh, that place. One of my favorite venues to wrestle at. And uh, should be a good time. So hit those up. If you need more information, they are uh, pretty much, if, you know, I'm assuming you're on the on the, the Facebook, the Book of Faces. Uh, hit me up for any uh, any details. If you do hit me up, <laughs> I suppose I should say. You can hit me up on the Twitter at OJords, O-H-J-O-R-D-Z, O-H-J-O-R-D-Z. Uh, and my Instagram, if you really want to hit me up for any kind of information, want to see weird, funny pictures of me taking off my pants, or all things in between, Instagram, same as the Twitter, O-H-J-O-R-D-Z, O-H-J-O-R-D-Z. Facebook. My Facebook page is live. I'm trying to, you know, with my new job and everything like that, trying to stay active on it because I know how that's how a lot of people like to get their information for me. Go to Facebook, search Gorgeous Jordy Lee. That is my wrestler account. If I know you, if I shake your hand, if I look you dead in the eye and say, I got you, buddy, maybe I'll accept your friend request, but who knows, right? That's the show. Uh, if you have any suggestions of people uh, that you would like me to interview, sit down with, have a chat ski with, I am all ears. Hit me up in person as well. Pull me aside by the hair. Oh, don't touch my hair, please. Actually, I'll freak out. Freak out. Uh, Otherwise, that's it, I guess. Till next time, my friends and family. Uh, That's it. Goodbye. Thank you.